Welcome to the Providence Health Coaching Podcast. My name is Colleen Kuhn, registered dietitian and health coach. And my name is Will Bruce, and I am a certified personal trainer and health coach. This podcast is focused on helping you create sustainable lifestyle changes by first identifying your values and needs, and then transforming your goals into action. In this podcast, we'll discuss all the things you need to know to succeed with making healthy lifestyle changes. We'll cover behavior change psychology, effective goal setting, and how to stay motivated, as well as healthy nutrition, exercise, reducing stress, losing weight, and more. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today, I'm here not only with my co-star Colleen. Hey Colleen. Hey Will, glad to be here. We have a special guest today, Dr. Miles Hassel. And I'm really excited to have Dr. Hassel here today. He established the Integrative Medicine Program at the Providence Cancer Center and is the author of a book called Good Food, Great Medicine. Really great to have you here, Dr. Hassel. Thank you. Nice to have be, be here because not too many people invite me. You know, this time of year, everything's sort of shut down. <laughs> That's right. This has been a surreal year. And on that note, the topic today is on surviving the holidays. Uh, and the holidays are known to be a stressful time already. But this particular holiday is confounded by COVID-19. So, Dr. Hassel, when I encountered you for the first time, it was at a seminar that was put on for services. And at the time, you made this really convincing case for healthy plant-based nutrition. It was so convincing that I was ready to adopt it that very day. Um, you also have some good things to say about physical activity, which, of course, endears me to you even more. And I hope you'll let me pick your brain about these things because they seem especially relevant during this holiday season. You bet. Yeah. And before we begin, though, what inspired you to get into this work of healthy lifestyle promotion? Well, I grew up in a family that was kind of anti-medicine and uh, really um, promoted um, taking good care of yourself. And if you do, you don't need those nasty doctors. Um, and it was really good, good training. And for most part, my parents did a, did a pretty good job of, of that approach. So if you didn't have bone poking through the skin in our family, you probably didn't ever see a doctor. Um, and so later I got involved in the natural food industry. Um, and that got me really interested in, in, uh, the, the therapeutics, um, as applied to people with illness, which led me to medical school. I grew up in Western Australia, um, and so I, I did medical school there, and it was um, uh, it was it was great to in medical school to be in an environment where um, your ideas were challenged and therefore able to be refined. Um, and then uh, that led me when I got came to Portland. Um, then I, I started being being a little more more focused in in the sense of using uh, nutrition to improve uh, cancer survivorship. For example, I would argue that uh, for most cancers. Um, the lifestyle choices following the diagnosis of cancer is one of the most important decisions people make. 
Um, Diseases like diabetes, which I think uh, clearly in, in most cases can be reversed, type 2 diabetes in most cases can be reversed. Um, uh, we can have dramatic effects on stroke risk, heart disease risk. Um, it's lifestyle is probably still the most effective treatment for depression and so on. So just this idea of, of seeing lifestyle as not an add-on to conventional medicine, but is actually the first step in conventional medicine if we're going to use the evidence. I love that. This is fantastic. You're in good company. We're all about healthy lifestyle promotion here. Let's talk a little bit about the holidays in particular. So the holidays have this nasty reputation for causing weight gain. Um, and I know many people, many people even who I work with, are already resigned to this eventuality. How do you feel about weight gain during the holidays? And what can we do about it? Well, one of the best things you can do for your health long term is to control your waistline. And if you just accept that you're going to gain five or 10 pounds over the holidays, you're really asking for trouble in the long run. And so my argument is, Enjoy the holidays, but don't have the expectation that it needs to be anything that you gain weight uh, during, because most people don't. And so you can enjoy everything to its fullest and still use enough self-control to keep from overeating. And the big secret there, so I'm a, I would classify myself as an omnivore. I think all traditional whole foods are good foods. And so if you make an appropriate mix of, of um, proteins, whether animal or plant, plant uh, good fats, and lots of vegetables, you're probably going to be able to keep from eating too much. Secondly, if you're faced with something that's really delicious, have some of it, but not too much. And make sure you maintain your exercise habit. There's absolutely no excuse that anybody has for not getting some exercise twice a day, whether it's Christmas Day or any other day of the year. So we, um, uh, in our practice, as you, as you might have guessed from my tone of voice, um, we certainly don't tolerate excuses. Um, and that's kind of in my opinion, if you care about your health long term, you just don't tolerate excuses because life in 10 and 20 years is more important than that. You mentioned the importance of maintaining your exercise during the holidays. And speaking of excuses, I know one big one that I'm susceptible to is the lousy weather during the rainy season. I can handle cold by itself. I can handle rain by itself. I can handle wind by itself. But start putting those things together. And the idea of going outside makes me feel pretty miserable. What are some specific ways we can stay active through the holidays uh, that might not entail too much outdoor activity? Well, if I could just address the outdoor activity first, think of walking in the rain with the wind as being exciting. Because in Portland, there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only bad gear. So that's, that's one step. And often when we have visitors, we actually take them for a walk outdoors if, if they're appropriately clothed. Um, and it's, it's kind of fun. And often people are exposed to a new environment. I, my son goes to a, to a uh, um, church group on Sunday evenings. And riding in the dark, even if it's misting rain, is kind of, kind of fun. But not everybody likes that. So I'll, I'll accept your question as, as stated. Um, people forget you can skip rope. If you skip rope for one minute, that's a ton better than none at all. You can use things like the body blade. Um, you can use simple weight routines. You can use resistance bands. You can go for a walk. If you feel like spending some money, you can get a rowing machine. But you don't need to spend money. The simple tools, walking, stairs, resistance bands, medicine balls, um, body blades, skipping rope, are really underappreciated. And they, they can be left all around your house. So if you've got a medicine ball sitting on your kitchen counter, you're going to have far less excuse not to do something because it's right there. All that equipment sounds 
pretty affordable and pretty portable as well. I can mention our, all of our cars have a skip rope in them. And when we're on road trips, if we're getting fuel, we get out and skip rope a few times, which creates enough of a sensation sometimes that you meet some really interesting people. Dr. Hassel's always got options available, no matter where he's at. He's ready to go. I hear that you like ping pong. Ping pong is a fabulous tool. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, all of us are getting older. Maybe you guys aren't getting as older as I am, but we're all getting older. If you want a healthy brain, play games. If you want a healthy brain when you're 80 years old, play games. Tennis, pickleball, ping pong. Whenever you combine exercise with strategy and socializing, you're doing a great thing for your long-term mental health, your short-term mental health, as well as your fitness. You're convincing me of the importance of not throwing up excuses for myself. But let's face it, the holidays, well, maintaining self-control is difficult. So do you have any tips for how to plan for and maintain self-control during the holidays? So the first thing I would do is, is say, I'm going to do it, right? And that involves just this very simple mental step of thinking about it. Next, you, you look at every potential challenge ahead. Say if you're going to go to a gathering. You know there's going to be some really delicious food that you shouldn't eat too much of there. So first of all, you eat before you go. You have a healthy snack or, or more than a snack before you go. Secondly, you um, sort of plan out that you're going to have some healthy stuff before you have those delicious um, um, treats that maybe you should limit. And then after you've had a healthy treat, let's pretend you want another brownie. Well, you go back and have something else healthy. For me, it would probably be some meat because that's really, really satisfying for me. Uh, maybe some more vegetables. And then I might go back and have another brownie. But by doing little steps like that and interrupting your, your natural progression to six brownies, which would be my routine um, if, if I didn't stop, um, then you're going you're, you're gonna to get control of the situation. And not only that, but you get this fabulous feeling of self-righteousness. Nothing like it. Um, alcohol is another trap for a lot of people. For those of us that drink, you know, having four drinks instead of one it can be all too easy. And so once again, make sure you're really well hydrated before you go. For me, that involves having something with caffeine um, because that's more satisfying for me. So I'd have coffee or tea before I go. I'd have coffee or tea if it's available there. I usually bring, um, uh, to gatherings, I bring a, uh, some kind of flavored sparkling water, talking rain kind of stuff. And I bring lots of it, cold. A lot more than I'm going to drink. And I notice that it generally is gone. And I keep my glass full of that stuff. That means I can have a glass of wine or beer or whatever I'm going to have. And then I keep filling it up with, with uh, sparkling water while I'm talking to people and so on. And by doing that, I stay distracted. I still have something in my glass so nobody puts something else in it. And I keep it under control. I am used to the kinds of get-togethers where my glass never stays empty for long. Somebody's coming around to fill it up. So if I'm filling it up myself with some sparkling water, I'm putting myself at a big advantage. You bet. And you can let's say that you... Uh, already have a little bit of wine in your glass and you know it's going to be filled by somebody who doesn't have your best interest at heart. Well, if you fill it up, you know, now you've got rosé. Just just call it good. Let's talk a little bit about COVID-19. It's on everyone's minds this holiday season. In addition to CDC's recommendations for celebrating safely and responsibly, which I can talk about in a little bit, what are your thoughts on what we can do personally to uphold our immunity? 
that the COVID-19 um, deaths tend to be focused on really um, uh, people who have frail immunity, primarily driven by obesity and age. Those are the two biggest things that, that affect you. So now is not a bad time to decide you're going to, if those, uh, you can't do anything about age, I've got to, I've got to admit. Um, but if you're going to do something about your waistline, now is a great time to start. In addition, all of us, you know, even if you're, even if we're not afraid of dying of COVID-19, we certainly don't want to get sick with it or make somebody else sick with it. So then we say, what are the, what are the uh, known factors that alter whether we're likely to get a flu-like illness or not? And those factors are weight, we've already mentioned, exercise levels. Depending on which study you believe, it looks like flu-like illness is reduced by about half in regular exercisers. So that's not a bad starting point. The next step is probably adequate protein. And as you know, I'm an omnivore and some Colleen maybe isn't, but um, making sure you include um, plenty of protein in your diet is, is not a bad plan. And so we usually for our patients recommend red meat a few times a week and oily fish a few times a week, um, along with tons of vegetables, whole grains and beans. And speaking of whole grains, especially in our environment where so many people are in the keto and paleo mode, it's often overlooked that, that whole grains, um, and the, here we refer to true whole grains, so not, not, uh, um, not white flour and not processed whole grains like breakfast cereals, but true whole grains that you have to cook yourself and chew um, are strongly associated with better immunity, uh, less respiratory illness, less heart disease, less stroke, less diabetes even, and tend to be uh, slimmer despite the reputation for otherwise and have been traditionally eaten. So we, we include whole grains in our program and above all, avoiding sugars, and refined grains. And so if people are in, in trouble at all, we suggest they avoid anything made with flour. Um, and I had a lady this morning, for example, um, and she said, well, I don't really eat sweets or things made with flour. And, uh, and her husband said, what about ice cream? And she said, oh, yeah, I eat a lot of ice cream. Well, ice cream's a sweet, okay, folks? That's just, there's no way around it. So um, uh, to get around this whole thing and the fact that we live in a... In a environment which lots of these things available i suggest that people think about having one treat meal a week you know that one treat meal where you really enjoy yourself and have those treats that you don't have at other times and then the rest of the time eat pretty well because good food that's good for you can easily be made to be really good food so eating good food doesn't mean you have to give away flavor or taste another thing we suggest for immunity is making sure that you have fruit or vegetables with every meal and snack including snacks um, and if you need to lose weight have fruit or vegetables before you eat anything else, and you'll subtly reduce your total caloric intake. So I, I don't think I included that. You're filling up on low-calorie density foods. They're high in fiber. And by the time you get to the richer stuff, you're already on your way to being full. You've got some, as soon as your appetite is blunted a little bit, your self-control is going to be much better, unless those brownies are really good. And if I do make brownies... Dr. Hassel, I'll make sure that they are protein-rich, as you suggest. <laughs> and one of the other things about if you are going to make sweets, um, most recipes for sweet foods, if you cut the sugar by half or close to it, most people don't even notice the difference. We do that when we make a lot of homemade ice cream and cut the sugar by half, you, you, uh, nobody even notices. What do you think of this guy, Colleen? He's full of great advice. Yeah, I'm taking notes over here. Quick review of what the CDC has to say about COVID-19. Of course, it's about being prudent about social gatherings, especially with those at high risk for the worst effects of the virus. So be copious with your hand washing, both prior to and during any gatherings that you attend. 
people who should not attend in-person holiday celebrations, according to the CDC, people exposed to COVID-19, people at increased risk for severe illness. Remember that indoor gatherings pose more risk than outdoors, generally. Fewer people is better. Also consider the locations attendees are traveling from. Gatherings with attendees coming from different places pose higher risk than those with attendees who live in the same area. Wear a mask, practice your social distancing, consider skipping in-person Black Friday events, stick to shopping online, maybe host a virtual holiday dinner over Zoom. As for preparing traditional recipe for family and neighbors, there are ways that you could do that with contactless delivery. It's maybe something that sounded obnoxious to me, the idea of it a year ago, but uh, I've been hearing more and more people talking about drive-by delivery of family dinners and even just having drive-by social gatherings with friends and family. And, you know, maybe that's going to turn out okay. After all, we can still preserve the meaning of these, these traditions, even if they're executed a little bit differently. The whole issue of things like point prevalence and, and that kind of thing is so intriguing. Um, and, uh, and I think it's really hard to know what is, what is the best thing to do, but the CDC have to come up with some guidelines because somebody has to make some rules somewhere. And I think it's going to be interesting over time to see which, which rules really matter. One last question. We're talking about immunity and often what comes up alongside that is nutritional supplements. Do you have an opinion about the use of nutritional supplementation of any kind? So nutritional supplements, I think, um, are vastly overrated in their effect. And so the first question I ask people is, are you taking care of your health in other ways so that you don't need to even think about nutritional supplements? Secondly, what is the evidence for and against any given nutritional supplement? So for example, vitamin D, people who have higher vitamin D levels are distinctly better um, outcomes from almost everything. And yet, if we give people vitamin D supplements, most studies do show a benefit. And so what this reminds us is there's something about food and other ways that we get uh, nutrition that has an impact beyond that of the chemical that we're measuring. So that vitamin D, it's used example of vitamin D again, the, the effect of vitamin D apparently is, is maybe more as a marker of other factors than of the vitamin D level itself. And, and for the most case, there are some exceptions to that, but as a general rule, what I said is, is pretty accurate in the literature. And so that's what makes us say to people, you know what, get some sunlight, um, maximum square inches without sunscreen for 10 or 15 minutes when it's available. Obviously, this is a bad time of year to be talking about that. Eat your oily fish as a source of vitamin D. Eat your light-exposed mushrooms. And so this is going to sound nutty to some of you, but if you stick mushrooms out in the sun for an hour, you get maybe between five and 10,000 units per cup of mushrooms of vitamin D. You do that once a week, and that's probably actually adequate for most people, or more than adequate for most people, uh, even in winter. So, it's one, so, so if you're serious about these things, you sort of dive into a little bit and just don't take the simple step of, oh, I'm going to take a pill, because there's nothing natural about those pills, and in most cases, they don't do much. Now, there are lots of exceptions to that. For example, this morning, I prescribed niacinamide to a patient who has recurrent basal cell carcinomas of the skin, because people who take niacinamide, basically, it's taking, taking it as a drug, have substantially lower rates of skin cancer, and, um, and that's been well-established so I'm not saying you never take a, a, a nutritional supplement, but you view nutritional supplements with the same caution and cynicism as you view regular drugs. And I, I don't use the word cynicism lightly. 
Um, we often send our patients to a, um, a website called consumerlab.com. It costs roughly $40 a year. And it's just a fabulous um, clearinghouse. It's the best single clearinghouse that's easily, easily available um, to the public for information on the, the actual outcomes data for supplements. So we don't use much in the way of supplements. We do use some. We apply the same rationale that we apply to any other drug because these nutritional supplements are not natural. Uh, there's, there's no way you can take a bunch of chemicals, put them in a little pill, and call them natural. So they have their value. The value is mostly overstated but sometimes not. I have a question uh, in addition to that, doctor. What are your thoughts on the poor farming practices that we have here in this country and how that affects our nutritional profile? I actually, I, I don't think that's actually a strong case. And, um, and here's why. The, the evidence over the last 40 or 50 years from epidemiologic studies does not support that. Um, we've actually for the most part, with with um, with very very few exceptions, and those are the obesity-related diseases, um, humans have actually been getting healthier over the last 50 years, not less healthy. Up until 2015, the, the, in the United States, for example, the uh, the length of life and quality of life at older years was steadily increasing. And so, I think it's hard to look at the epidemiology, which is all, the only evidence we have, and see a case for that. And part of that might be the greater greater build the greater availability of food from afar. So with my parents, when they were growing up in the, in the 40s and 50s, could they eat oranges all year round? Did we have grapes from Chile and so on and so forth? And so it's possible that by having a wider variety of foods available all year round that that, that may be making a difference. In addition, I think it's often overlooked that farming practices are worse in some ways and better in others. So where I grew up in, in the, on the south coast of Western Australia... Um, they'd been actually unable to farm successfully up until um, I think it was the 1930s when somebody figured out the, the soil levels were really low in selenium. Australia is a very sheep-based economy, and so the sheep were all keeling over because they didn't have enough selenium. So they started supplementing the soil with selenium, and everything got better. It became a successful growing area. So um, because of the um, ability to, to uh, translate micronutrition at the soil level into food, uh, into, into better food production, um, then we maybe have uh, gotten around some of those other, other problems. And so I, I don't think that our farming is as bad as, uh, and I'm not aware of any evidence that would support the idea that our farming is bad enough to, that, that leads to us to think that taking nutritional supplements is going to, is going to, um, uh, um, uh, make up for any any farming deficiencies, and remembering that there's nothing natural about these nutritional supplements. So, for example, if you have a multivitamin, are the compounds in that multivitamin anything like those same nutrients in food? And if, for the most part, they're not. You know, take folate for example, um, dramatically different, or calcium. These in supplemental form have dramatically different chemistry in the body than, than the same nutrients from food. And so, I think people should eat as wide a variety of food as they as I can, I still can't handle liver, um, and eat as much basic unprocessed food as I can and not worry too much about the other things. Yeah. No organ meats for, for me either, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> doctor Hassel, it's an absolute pleasure having you on our podcast today. We got to hear from you about some healthy dieting tips for the holidays, staying physically active when the weather is miserable, calling out our own excuses 
and rising above them. I just admire how committed you are to helping people to make healthy lifestyle changes. And I know what you've shared today will be taken to heart by a lot of listeners. So I hope that you'll come back on the show with us in the future. I'd love to. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for listening today. If you're a Providence member and you'd like more information about your complimentary health coaching benefit, please visit providencehealthplan.com slash healthcoach. We only take on a limited amount of members because it's so personalized, individualized, and tailored to your needs. So if you're interested, go ahead and visit that website today. 